of you guys played Monopoly over this Thanksgiving break? None of y'all? I thought, yep, I knew some people did. After seeing that for the last three weeks, our youth pastors over at South Toledo, I saw that they had a Monopoly Wars over uh, Thanksgiving break. I can't do it. The game's too long for me. I was like, they need to invent like a shorter version of it, which apparently I guess they did. That's what the kids are telling me. Come on, mom. It's a shorter version. So we'll see. But you know, this has just been an awesome time, and I'm really excited to be able to kind of just bring this all together at the end uh, of this series. It's been called Advance to Go, and we're really talking about walking in the Spirit. We need to go. That's what we need to do. See, there's two foundational scriptures for this series. One is found in Matthew 11:12. It's from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. And then Galatians 5:25. It says, "If we walk by the Spirit, let us also walk. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit." Let's pray, friends. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are, God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are teaching us to walk in the Spirit, Lord God, to walk with the Spirit. God, I pray today, Lord God, that you would truly give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. But God, not just to hear, but God, would you give us also hearts that are willing to obey, Lord God. Would you soften every hardened heart in this place, Lord God. God, would you heal every wounded heart in this place. And God, would you just give us the ability to walk in the Spirit, to do what you've called us to do, to go when you tell us to go, to wait when you tell us to wait, to be still when you tell us to be still, to be quiet when you tell us to be quiet, God, to speak when you tell us to speak. Would you help us walk in your Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm super excited. So um, yesterday, we, we uh, my husband and I spent some time, and we were just praying about today, and uh, really excited to share some of this fresh revelation that the Lord gave me. To walk in the Spirit is to follow the Spirit's leading. It's essentially to walk with the Spirit. I like that, to walk with the Spirit, allowing Him to guide your steps. So, so far in this series, you, if you've been here these last few weeks, if you haven't, please go online and listen to it if you want to catch up. But it looks like most of you have been here for the majority of it. We've talked about a few things. We've talked about walking in the obedience. That's walking in the Spirit. Walk is a walk of obedience. We've talked about the walk of truth. That's walking in the Spirit. The Spirit leads us into truth. Pastor Joshua talked about walking intentional. It's an intentional walk. It's not by accident. He talked about how it leads to freedom. Friends, these are all things that are going to help you in your walk. But God wants to encourage you today that walking in the Spirit is not just about you. It is about you. But it's not just about you. It's to help you help others walk in the Spirit too. See, walking in the Spirit is not a walk for wimps. Say wimps. Oh, man, Paul said it like he knows what I'm talking about. Say whips again because he's the only one who said it right. Let's hear it. Say wimps. <laughs> walking in the Spirit is not a walk for wimps. It's about advancing the kingdom. It's, it's not just about your personal growth. It is about your personal growth in the Lord, but it's about advancing the kingdom. And so we were talking about this, and I don't know how many of you guys remember, but the first time I shared about walking in the Spirit, I broke down the Greek word uh, for walk, and that was found in Galatians 5.16 when it says, uh, Galatians 5.16 says, so, so uh, walk in the Spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And that 
that word walk there, it means basically to stroll, to take a stroll. How many of you guys remember that? Sometimes we've got to slow down and walk with the Holy Spirit, not try to walk ahead of them, not lag way behind, but walk with God and what he is doing. It means that that verse there is talking about habitually walking in the Spirit. It's a continuous walk. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous walk. But we found it interesting. We were looking up some things yesterday, my husband and I. And in, in Galatians 5.25, the other um, scripture that we've been using this whole time, that word walk is different than the one found earlier in that chapter in verse 16. Verse 16, it means a habitual walk, a stroll, walking with the Spirit. But in, 20, in verse 25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, then let us walk in the spirit or one translation says keep in step with the spirit that means marching orders if you look at it in the greek so one is the habitual walk the living in the spirit and one is marching orders keeping in step with the spirit the lord showed me that we need both of those walks and he, it was not by accident that paul used two different wor- greek words for walk in one chapter because to walk in the Spirit, it is about your personal growth. It is about walking in the fruit of the Spirit, which is also found in Galatians 5. It is about love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, and all the other ones. It is about those things. It is about the character of Christ. It is about habitually being in the presence of God and carrying his presence with us. But it's also about marching orders, friends. That's how we advance the kingdom of God. Because God gives us marching orders. Sometimes God tells us to do something, and and it might be outside of our comfort zone. Mm, I know we like to be comfortable in here. We're such a well-behaved church here at Vision Waterville. Mm. But sometimes, friends, we got to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes he gives us marching orders. And oftentimes in those marching orders, it's taking a step out of our comfort zone. And so I want to encourage you today. God wants us to truly walk in the spirit. And it's not a walk for wimps. It's a walk. It's going to help us grow in the Lord, but it's also going to advance his kingdom. So today we're going to break down a familiar uh, passage in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, if you want to turn there. And we're going to break down what it takes, what is needed to walk to help others walk in the spirit because your marching orders are usually never about you. (laughs) They're about somebody else. Now we had to have us together, but it's always about helping somebody else. And so today we're going to talk about three steps, say three steps. I thought that was convenient as we're talking about walking three steps to help others walk in the spirit. We're going to break down Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read this passage here. I want you to really tune in to the reading of the Word of God because the Word of God is what gives us freedom. The Word of God is what liberates us. The Word of God is power and truth. It divides the flesh from the spirit man. So tune in to this reading of the Word. And I'm, I'm telling you this Word is going to encourage you. Acts chapter 3, one, for, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at the man, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk taking him by the right hand he helped him up 
And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And so, friends, I'm praying about this passage, and the Lord showed me a couple things. He's, he showed me that uh, here at Waterville, we don't have people sitting outside our church begging for money. Now, we may have that a time or two at South Toledo, but here at Waterville, we don't have that happening. But, friends, we have a lot of spiritually lame people in this community, in, in our city, in our, in our church even. And uh, it's not just people, the lame sitting outside anymore. The spiritual lame are sitting right in our church. Those who feel like they do not know how to walk the walk. Friends, we are living in a day or age where Christians, even who go to church, do not know how to live the victorious life that God has created you to live. And God wants us to be able to show them how to walk to help heal people who have been spiritually lame, who have laid that those gifts that have laid dormant in your life. Friends, listen, I'm prophesying right now. Those gifts who have been laying dormant in your life, God wants to resurrect those gifts. He wants to breathe life on those gifts. But it's not just about gifts, friends. He is going to strengthen your knees that you can walk in the character. Because like I said, in Galatians 5, it's two types of walks. But it's one type because you need them both. You need the character of Christ and you need the power of Christ. Friends, we need them both in today's day and age. And so I started getting excited sharing this with my husband. I'm like, honey, like he got the Greek part and then I got this part. I'm like, baby, put can you see what God is doing here? Come on, the word of God excites me. We need to get excited about the word of God because it's here to give us freedom, to give us our marching orders. And so God wants us to help others walk. But friends, we got to learn to walk ourselves. So step one to helping others walk in the spirit is look at our example. Say, look at our example. If you want to help others walk in the spirit, then they, then you must make sure you are walking in the spirit and that they can clearly see that. See, when Peter and John were walking to the temple to pray and the man who was lame outside of the temple by the gate beautiful called out to them. Peter talked to, to him and said, look at us. Peter said something a lot of Christians cannot say today. Look at us. I'll show you how to do it. Look at us. This is how you're supposed to live. Friends, that is why we see in the statistics that talk about from the boomer generation to the X generation to the millennial generation, all these declines in, in Bible-based believers because we have not passed down to the next generation how to walk in Christ. We have forgot to tell our children and our children's children to look to us. We'll show you how to do it. It's not just enough telling somebody. See, the first century church didn't just tell people what to do. They demonstrated on what to do. And friends, God wants to awaken a demonstration like we have not seen since the first century church today. God wants to awaken a demonstration that we demonstrate how to walk. That we can say, look at our example. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow 
the example of Christ. Peter and John were able to say that. And friends, God wants to make us able to say that. But this is the problem, see? We get confused in the church on the difference between being a friend to a sinner and being friends with the world. It's, it's kind of confusing unless you're taught. See, because Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? He was known to be with tax collectors who were despised in that day. He was known to have prostitutes follow him a, a, along. He was known, anytime he preached, uh, he had demons manifest right there in his presence. I mean, he was known to be with the rough crowd, right? But yet, in the, in the epistles, it, we are instructed by both Peter and John to not look like the world. Matter of fact, it says friendship with the world is hatred towards God. So I think sometimes in our culture, especially in our culture today, we get confused on what the difference is between being a friend of sinners and a friend of the world. One is good, one is bad. This is the difference, friends. God wants us to always love the person, but we are not to love the lifestyle. We are not to love the culture. We are not to okay the sin. And it's a fine, hard balance to learn. It's a hard balance to learn. But we have to be patient with people. You know, when people come in, they're not going to be together right away. There's people who come in that are a mess, and that's okay. God is still working on them. We've got to be patient with people. We've got to stop um, trying to be Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus. But and also let our example lead the way. More than what we say, what we do should cause people to change. And so God wants to teach us to be a friend to sinners, but not a friend to the world system. And friends, I know that if you allow the, if you ask the Lord to give you wisdom in that area, he will give you wisdom. He's going to open doors for you to speak truth to people at, at, at your job, at your workplace, in your family. I know that, that we ha all have people around us that don't know Jesus yet, that need to know Jesus. It starts with a conversation. It starts with being friendly. It starts with being kind. It starts with being able to say, there's something different about that person. People should be able to look at you and say, there's something different about you. And that difference needs to be Jesus. Because what happens is, is we want to tell people what to do, but we don't want to live it. And so then the number one excuse of why people don't go to church is, well, because the church is full of hypocrites. How many of you heard it before? The church is full of hypocrites. You know, I don't, why do I need to go there? Because, you know, they're, they're just all fake. You know, they're hypocrites. Why, why do I need to be a part of that? Well, friends, I believe that the church is full of people who love Jesus, who are imperfect and make mistakes. And that's why transparency is important. That's why being real is important. That's why repenting to one another is important. It doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite because you, you fell and made a mistake. It means you're human and you're in the right place with other human people. But yet at the same time, we need to guard ourselves because people are looking. People are looking. Um, years ago, I'm talking years ago, when we first started uh, Broadway, uh, South of Toledo campus on Broadway, we had um, our first, I'm not going to get too much detail, we had some leaders there, and uh, in, in the leadership there, there was a person who was kind of coming new into leadership, but people saw this person as a leader, and this person just uh, uh, had a couple uh, holiness issues, I would say. 
things that he didn't have quite right, but people saw him as a leader, and he was re- reaching out to people and had a lot of things going on for him. Well, one day, he, he decided to go out with his friends, and they, they watched the game, and they were at a sports bar, and he had some beer with him, and one of our newer um, believers who just de- rededicated their life came in and saw him with that beer, and it truly made him stumble. He thought, oh, well, I didn't know Christians were, were allowed to drink. And this person who saw him had an addictive personality and was given towards addiction. And so it, he used it as a, you know, as a justification. Oh, I guess you can drink. And matter of fact, called us up about it and stuff. And we tried to talk to him. And honestly, that person who saw him do that is still not living right to, for God today. Now, the one who, who had a, a bear, he's, he's doing okay. But he caused someone else to stumble who's still not doing right today. Friends, that is what God wants to teach us, the difference of being a friends of, the, friends of sinners and friends of the world. We got to be careful that we can say like Peter and John, look at us. Look at us. Follow my example. See how I'm doing it. And then when we mess up, we can even still say, look at us. You know what? I messed up. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that, but I, I repent and I'm going to learn from it. Humility is just an awesome thing to see modeled before us, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing to see modeled before us. And friends, God wants us to be able to say, look at us, look at our example. Friends, in our effort to reach out to others, let us not forget before people see Jesus, they see you. Before people look to Jesus, they look to you. They look to your example. John Maxwell always says that people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. People are going to buy into what God is doing in you before they buy in that God can do it for them too. We got to keep that in our minds. Amen? Mm-hmm. Y'all so quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Mm-hmm. Step one, look at our example. Step two, if you want to help people walk, get up off that lame mat and walk, well, step two is Look past the felt need and look to the real need. Now, I'm about to get happy at this point. Y'all don't know yet, but this is the best one. We got to learn to look past the felt need and look at the real need. God was showing me how much we need to do this. You know, even raising children, sometimes they're throwing a fit, and you're looking right at the, the obvious need. They're throwing a fit. They need a spanking, right? But oftentimes, there's a deeper need. My... Middle son has been learning how to communicate, and it's quite adorable. And we have this thing um, with my children. They all have different, you know, love things. Shua, I used to do nuki, nuki, nukis with him. And every once in a while, he still lets me, like, do a little Eskimo kiss and do that if no one's looking. Every once in a while, don't tell him he's back in the kids today. Okay? And they all have different things that, that, that we do. I used to, you know, see different things. But, you know, as they get older, they don't want it as much. Well, my youngest, I don't know if he's ever going to outgrow being a mama's boy. I think he might be the one that stays it forever. But he's six, and we do this thing that we heard on Caleb. You're supposed to give your kids eight hugs a day or they're not healthy or something. We're like, oh, my gosh, eight hugs a day? That's, like, crazy when you have four of them. So we hug it out. We just, like, do it together. We, so we go, oh, where's my eight hugs? And we just, we just hug it out. Uh, 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 uh. Eight hugs. We've been doing it for, for like, ever, right? So ju- Justice was like, Mom, I didn't get my eight hugs. And we were in the car. I'm like, okay, okay, we're going to hug it out. Uh-uh. I mean, he's the type, Josh will go to kiss me, and he'll just throw his face in there and, like, rob Josh of his kiss. Like, he's, he's that kid, you know? And so we're, like, talking, and here comes Jordan in the back. He's like, I get eight ignores a day. <laughs> Oh, I got to look past his attitude and look to the real need. He needs a little bit more attention, right? How often do we say something smart to our husband 
And that's the felt need. That's the, that's the attitude right there. But there's a real need that we need a little bit more attention, right? Or, or whatever it is. So often we look, at the, we look at the surface issue, but friends, there's a root issue that is deeper. Come on, somebody. There's a root issue that's deeper. In order to help others get up and walk, we need to look past the felt need and we need to look to the real need. A lot of people don't get their breakthrough because they never get to the root reason why they're doing what they're doing. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, this is good. See, friends, God wants to go deep with you today. Didn't we hear that prophetic word during worship? Get past the ankle water, get to the knee water, get to the waist water. He wants to get all the way over your head. God wants to go deep with you today, but that means it's going to get messy. That means he's going to go deep and, and get to some of those root reasons of why we do what we do. That means we got to go all the way back to our childhood, huh? Oh, snap. I act like this because my mom act like this because her mom act like this because this is a generational thing. I'm talking going deep, right? God wants to go deep with us. See, listen, if Peter and John would have just met their felt need, the, the man who was laying there lame and said, hey, I need some money, if they would have just like, oh, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on, I got something in here. Oh, man, John, I forgot my wallet at home. Oh, man, I did too. Oh, you remember that one time Jesus needed to pay taxes? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go fishing just like last time, and that fish is going to have a gold coin, and then we could come back and give it to the brother. Okay, let's go fishing. They could have did that. They knew how to get money. They knew how to get money. They could have did that. But they said, uh-uh-uh. I'm going to look past his felt need. He, he, he's, he's sitting here begging because he can't work. I'm going to look past his felt need. I'm going to look to the real need. And it said he, the, the scripture says that they looked straight at him. What's that mean? That means he, they looked straight at who he really is. They looked past the attitude. They looked past the anger. They looked past the, the rejection. They looked past all the things that you could see on the surface. Because sometimes, man, you don't want to say hi to somebody because they just, you could see it, right? Come on. It's not my mouth that needs deliverance. It's my face. Come on. Come on. Mine's both, but come on. <laughs> right? But yet, Peter and John had this way through Christ to look right past what he was asking for. As a matter of fact, they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I'll give to you. See, now there was a missionary that came years ago, um, this is documented, who said that the American church can no longer say silver and gold, I do not have. But they also can no longer say, get up and walk. Well, here at Vision Ministries, friend, we can say, get up and walk. That's what we need to say. Get up and walk. God wants you to walk this walk. You have everything you need for life and godliness. God wants you to have victory in your walk with him. That doesn't mean you're not going to stumble and fall, but you don't need to stay down there. And that means we see you. We see past what you can do for us at the church. And we see you as a child of God, as a person who is created in his image, as a person who is dearly loved, who Jesus thought you were worth dying for. Come on, somebody. We've got to look past the surface need. Oh, we need more money. We need, we need to buy a building. We need, we need more people. We're looking at the surface, surface, surface. Let's look to the deeper need. No, we need God to move. We need God to move in people's lives. We need God to do healings in our, in our families, in our marriages, in our, in our jobs, in our, with our finances. We need God to move so that we could be generous because I believe we have all the money that we need. We just got to be generous. 
need God to move in our, in our lives. We need to look past the surface need, the felt need, to the real need that people need to learn how to walk. And sometimes to help somebody walk, you got to reach out your hand. Just like Peter and John did this. They, they said, get up and walk. But they didn't, they didn't just say, get up and walk. He reached out his hand. And he pulled him up. And when he pulled him up, then his knees were strengthened, friends. There's some of us, we, we want to say, oh, well, well, you need to do this in your marriage. And you need to do this with your job. And you need to do this with raising your children. How about reach out a hand, somebody? We got enough people. I mean, all, listen, we're in a generation. All you got to do, if you want to hear someone's opinion, is get on social media. We got opinions everywhere. Opinions are not saving people. Opinions are not helping people. But you know what we need more? How many of us feel alone even though we have a family? How many of us feel alone even though you have people that live with you? We need people to reach out their hand. That's what we need. We need people to reach out their hand so that we can walk. Come on, somebody. I want to be one who reaches out my hand. Do you want to be one that reaches out your hand? I know I do. We must remember when people are in need, need of help, it's always an opportunity for hope. In Waterville, we may not have people begging for money like we do in South Toledo, but we do have people begging for love. They need hope. They need peace. They need healing in their marriage and in their families. And we have the hand that we can reach out. And we have, we need to show people with, with, that we really see them. See, Mother Teresa, I love some of her quotes. One of her quotes says, peace begins with a smile. She also says, smile is the beginning of love. Some of you guys might remember uh, last week, Pastor Joshua was talking about just what a crazy world we live in to, uh, today. And he was, he was telling a story about, you know, when you're driving and people are like cussing you out. And he was like, you know, instead of giving one finger, give two fingers, give the peace sign and blah, blah, blah. And he was like telling a story about back in the day when I was going through the downtown um, post office and I was trying to stick my little itty bitty arms. I got these little dinosaur arms, five foot six with like five foot one arms. And so I'm trying to reach in my mail, right? My mom was actually with me. And apparently I was going too slow. And so this guy behind me started beeping and cussing. And he called me like, like the word that you're not supposed to call women, you know what I'm saying? Like the B word and, and stuff. And now at this time, I don't think I was even married yet or just newly married. I might have been just newly married. So, I mean, it was that many years ago. And so when he did that, I rolled down my window and I said, no, I said, God bless you too, brother. And I smiled. See, Josh left out the best part last week. I said, that's going in my sermon this week. I don't know how, but we're going to find a way. Because we're going to bless those who curse us. One time I was at Vision Kitchen, and I was serving that day. And I was serving meals to people. And, and you know, you can't help it when you serve. Y'all got to come down. We do at Vision Waterville, we do the first um, Friday of every month. See, Paula, Paula, where's Paula? I saw Paula earlier. Did she? Oh, Okay, she was not feeling good. But Paula uh, leads that up first Friday of every month. It's just a great time to come together and serve. You just can't help but feel good about yourself. So, you know, I was feeling good about myself. I'm serving people in need, and here you go. Would you like a plate of food? And I'm going around, and, you know, people are so happy that we're helping, and boom, there you go. And then, and then I get to this one lady, and I'm like, here's a plate. Yeah, and she had this little attitude on her face, and she was like, and she said something like mean to me, like, and I was just like, and I'm walking away, and I'm just like, and I'm like, I feel the flesh rising up, y'all. I'm like, uh-uh, no, she did not just disrespect me up in here. 
We don't have to give her anything. This is a, I, I feel the attitude coming on, right? We don't have to give her anything. This, is, this was bought by God-loving, God-fearing people, and she don't need to have this, atti- this meal. She's going to have that kind of attitude. When we, and I got all these thoughts going. I'm being real, y'all. I got all these thoughts going through my head like, no, she didn't. She's about to get it. And then the Holy Spirit checked me. He said, mm-mm, don't treat her like that. And then he gave me this idea. Go upstairs and see if Pastor Dawn has any chocolate. And you put together a little gift bag for her, and you go hand it to her. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to see her again. Did you just see the attitude she just gave me? I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Pastor Dawn, and I'm not telling anyone what's going on. I'm like, you got some chocolates that I can put together? Pastor Dawn always has chocolates. She always got mints and chocolates and stuff in her office. My kids find it out. They know I don't got none of that stuff in my office, but Pastor Dawn's office always is stacked up somewhere. So she's like, oh, yeah, here's some stuff here, and here's some stuff. I'm like, oh, thank you. And I go back down. I'm like, oh, God, be with me here. And I go over to a lady, and I said, you know what? Sometimes when I have a bad day, chocolate always helps. So I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this. And I gave it to her. And she, she started tearing up in her eyes. She said, I'm so sorry I was rude to you earlier. And she started telling me some of her problems. This is going on with my job. This is going on with my family. And, this, and I didn't need, you know, I'm so, I said, you know what? God bless you. It's okay. And I just took a moment to pray. But if I would have just stuck with what my flesh wanted to do, psh, forget her. Let me take that food right back. I would have missed out on that opportunity to see the real need. Her attitude was the surface, but there was a real need that she needed. She needed more than a plate of food that day. She needed to be seen. She needed, she needed someone to look at her and see that she's a person, that she has value, that she has emotions, that she has a heart. And friends, that's what God wants us to do is to see the real need in people. And I'm telling you, whether it's in South Toledo or here in Waterville, the real need in every single person's soul is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can fill you up. Marrying the most awesome man in the world, like my man, doesn't fill me up. Having the the best family in the world, it doesn't fill you up. Having the best career in the world, it doesn't fill you up. Why are rich people who who are super wealthy committing suicide at times? Because those things, they might meet a surface need, friends, but there's a real need that we've got to get to as God's people. We need to learn to stretch out our hand and say, come on, brother, I'm going to show you how to do this. Come, come have dinner with me and my wife. We're not perfect, but I'm going to show you that you can't have a godly marriage. Come, 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 teenage kid who, who drives me nuts. Come over to my house with my other teenage kids. I'm going to show you what a Christian family looks like. Come on, friends. Let's look past the felt need to the real need and see what what God wants to do in people's lives. We can bless those who curse us when we realize that everyone has the same basic need. It's to be love, and God is love. God is the real need in everyone's heart, friends. Peter and John looked past the felt need, and they saw the real need, and let us pray that we learn to do that too. So if you want to help people learn to walk, the very first thing is we need, to, we need to let them look at our example. The second thing we need to do is we need to look past that surface need, that felt need, and we need to look to the real need. And then the, the final thing that we need to do, the final step here, is that we need to teach people to look to Jesus. See, a lot of the, the first two steps is kind of about us. You know, we need to set an example. We need to reach out our hand. We need to we need to. We need to help people walk. We need to look to the real need. But the third step is the most important step. We need to teach people to look to Jesus. The early church taught by demonstration. 
The beggar now looked to Jesus and gave him praise. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, and then goes on and talks about it more in Acts chapter 4, that people saw that this beggar man, they knew him. He was kind of known. That don't, don't go in the gate, beautiful. Go in the other gate if you don't got no money. You know what I'm saying? Because he's going to be there and he's going to be begging and you're going to feel bad if you're going to church you ain't giving him no money. See, they all knew about him, right? And when they saw him on his feet, walking, jumping, praising God, guess what? 2,000 people were added to the church that day. The church went from 3,000 to 5,000 because people saw, man, something's real here. Because now it became not about what Peter or John did. It became about what happened to the beggar, that he looked to Jesus and he gave God the glory and gave him the praise. Demonstration plus proclamation always equals transformation. Someone needs to write that down. Come on, somebody. Jonas, that one was for you. Did you hear that? Demonstration plus proclamation always equals transformation. Peter and John demonstrated the power of God. Then Peter went into the temple and he preached a word right with the testimony standing right by him, jumping up and down. Proclamation always equals transformation. We want to see God move in this community then we need demonstration and proclamation, friends. We need to get out there and say, this is, look, look what God has done in my life. Look what God can do in your life. And then we need to tell people about it. And it's, gonna, it, it's contagious. It's the best. You are the best billboard we can have here in Waterville. I'm like, where is the billboard in Waterville so I could put a sign up about this new church? I can't find one in Waterville. Y'all don't have billboards. And then I realized, hold up. We got billboards. It's us. You are the billboard for what God is doing in this place. Don't be ashamed to tell people, I'm growing in it. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. But since I've been coming here, God has been, my relationship with God has been going deeper than it's ever gone before in my life. I've heard truth that I've never heard before. I'm walking out things I've never walked out before. I mess up still. I'm so human. But come, come see what God is doing. If he can do it in me, he can do it in you. See, when Pastor Joshua first got saved, he still was going back to the parties and saying, man, I don't know what's going on, but God is doing something, and he can do it in me. He can do it in you, friends. That's what we need. We need to go back to our workplaces. We need to go back in our families and say, I don't know it all, but I know something is different because what God is doing in my life. We need demonstration plus proclamation so that we can have some more transformation. See, what I've learned in, in, in ministry nearly 20 years is that if I don't teach people to look to Jesus, if people are only looking at my example, if people are only looking at me to reach out my hand, I'm going to let them down because I am human. And I can't meet everybody's needs. And matter of fact, sometimes I want for people so much because I'm kind of passionate and I just really want people to do right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes I see someone doing wrong and I just, you know, just with the love of God, just want to reach out and slap them. Like, come on, get it together. Right? I love people and sometimes I just want to lovingly slap them. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I have realized I can't want for them more than they want for themselves. But you know who can? Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus can be all that they need, but I can't be all that they need. And guess what? That means I can't be all that my husband needs. I can't be all that my children need. I can't be all that my parents need, my friends need, my siblings need. I can't be all that, that the people right here in this room need. But Jesus can be everything you need if you let him. 
That's why we've got to teach people to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. That's what Peter and John did. They taught the beggar, look to Jesus. Give him praise. Come on. God just healed you. You're about to go to church now and tell everybody. <laughs> look to Jesus, friends. That's what God wants us to do. Would you stand to your feet today? God wants to equip you in this place today to walk in the Spirit. And he wants to give you marching orders to give you divine opportunities to teach others to walk in the Spirit too. Would you just close your eyes? Just like there, the Lord showed me the, the two different types of walks, I, I believe there's two um, groups of people in here. And you know who you are. There's a group of people in here that feel like you're in this beginning stage that you still don't really know what it means to habitually walk in the, in the Spirit. You don't know what it means to really walk in the fruit of the Spirit, to let God really transform your character. And that really is the first step. Let Him do it in you because you can't give what you don't have, you see? I can't give away what I don't have. I can only give what I have. Peter and John said, what I have, I give to you. They had a relationship with Jesus, so they could give that away. I have a relationship with Jesus, so I can have opportunities to minister to other people because it's real in me, friends. God wants it to be real in you. If you're in here and you're saying, man, I'm just in the beginning of this, and I, and I just know that God wants to do a work in my life still, that there's some character issues that he needs to work out, don't be ashamed. Would you raise your hand right now if you just say, you know what, I just need that. I need God to just, like, do this work in my life. He just needs to move in me. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. And don't be ashamed. God sees your need right here. He's looking past all the surface issues, and he wants to get down to the deep parts of your heart. And, friends, sometimes it gets messy, but, friends, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful mess that he works out. And then there's a group of you in here today that know that God is about to give you some marching orders. You believe that God wants to give you some divine appointments And I want you to raise your hand saying, God, here I am, and I'm ready. I'm ready for those marching orders. I'm ready for those divine appointments. I'm ready for you to use me. I'm ready to be used by your power. I'm ready for you to send me where you want to send me to talk to who you want me to talk to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you raise your hand today for either one of those, it doesn't matter which one, would you just come up and stand here because we want to pray for you. Come up here. Make yourself an altar right up here. <laughs>